0: What the hell am I doing? Welcome back to another episode of I Have No Idea What I'm Doing. My name is Paula Rogo and I'm your host. Last week, we confirmed that there is no better time to be a woman in East Africa, especially when it comes to business and entrepreneurship. When I created Kali Media, I had one goal in mind, to tell the stories of young East African women. But I had to be really honest with myself because there are so many media options in the market. So what's so special about my particular idea? In fact, what makes any business idea a good one? To answer that question, I've brought in two smart women. First is Navalayo Osembo. She's the CEO and co-founder of Enda, Kenya's first athletic running shoe company. Nava comes from Eldoret, which is a major center for Kenyan running, dubbed the City of Champions. She's joining our conversation from New York City via Skype. Welcome, Navalayo. Hi. Next, we have Kelly Murungi, who runs the popular finance blog Rookie Manager, which teaches people how to manage their money. Kelly is also a business and entrepreneurship consultant at Lattice Consulting. She's here with me in our studio in Nairobi. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, thank you, Paula. I'm really excited to be talking to you two ladies um, about sort of the idea stages of starting a business. You know, those early days when your business idea is just cooking in your mind and maybe you've told a person or two, but it's still an idea that you've kept to yourself. Navalayo, you are not a runner, but you created a running shoe. So, where did this idea come from?
1: Okay, so basically to clarify, like I don't run, I'm not going to win the Olympics, but I do run uh, a bit. I think it's super important to be able to understand people who run. Basically, now I'm running more than I used to, but when you're starting at the idea, I, I can't say that I like the idea of Enda came at one instance. Ender was an evolution of so many things that came together at the right time. So before starting Enda, I had traditionally been very, very interested in sports and basically what sports can do for the community. So I had started a school in my village in Bungoma some time back. And at that point, we're just focusing on can we get young kids and give them an opportunity to create their talents without having to worry about the money element. And that idea basically got me, I was doing a pitch for it um, at an event in Nairobi. And basically, kind of talking to the crowd about how Kenya is so great at sport, so great at running, yet we don't, we haven't maximized our opportunity. What can we do more? And Weldon, who's my co-founder, was in that um, event, and we basically started talking about the opportunities that are available in running. And the conversation went to the fact that running shoes are the runner's ultimate uh, tool. Like, if you want to create higher impact, you would basically should be making running shoes. And at that point, we just you know what, maybe we should try and make running shoes. And we just capitalized on that idea. So my point is that people do have like one idea, but in my case, it was just an evolution of different things that came together.
0: And then the final result was the idea of the running shoe. Yes. And so, you know, there's Adidas, there's Nike, there's all these different companies that create shoes. What made you confident that you had a great idea, especially considering the market for shoes today?
1: So one thing that we wanted to do, like having a shoe running, shoe that has been designed with Kenyan athletes and made in Kenya, being sold to the world. And we felt pretty strongly that that was a good idea. And I think what separates us from the market is our authenticity in the sense of, in as much as everyone can kind of say they have been making shoes for X number of times, you can't really argue with the fact that Kenyans are known for running. And if you want to make the best running shoes, you should basically just ask the Kenyans. And I think also what has made us more unique is the fact that we are making it in Kenya. So it's making it in China is a much easier option, but we decided to just bring it back home and see the most, like see how far we could go with it. So I would say uh, authenticity has been our greatest story. The fact that we are coming from Kenya and we can tell the Kenyan story, whatever is going on and whatever other people are doing, that's great. But kind of sticking true to what do we want to achieve and how can we be best. At what we do, other than kind of comparing ourselves to what other people are doing,
0: you know, Kelly. Listening to Nava speak about Ender and the idea stage, what's what's what stood out to you about um, what she's talked about? I
2: think what came out in her first, the first bit of her response was she's not a pro runner. You know, she's not. Uh, Kipchoge Keno or the other wonderful ladies that have been running and have um, invested heavily into sportswear and let me just say none have done shoes so far but she cared enough about the problem to want to do something about it. You could care about the thing. I mean, you could be a musician, but not not necessarily a good entrepreneur, but someone who cares enough about musicians without being a musician themselves could come and capitalize on the opportunities that are there to, to be able to solve the problem or to create an entirely new product. When we talk about this um, in tech circles, we call it innovation, but really it's it's that. It's coming into a sector and trying to do things differently or to bring something that didn't exist in that sector or even just creating an entirely uh, new brand that has unique identifiers, you know, like the Kenyan running shoes. And I appreciate the fact that it's
0: it's homegrown. Mm-hmm. It's, um, and you, like you mentioned, Nawalai, you
2: don't want to go to China. Everything is created here. So again, who owns the Kenyan running brand? And the other thing I think we assume is that every a uh, customer wants to buy the cheapest thing there is in the market. But as, especially in um, today's world of hyper-capitalism, hyper-consumption, I mean, there's a growing segment of customers who actually care about where did this thing come from, how was it made, who am I promoting? You know, when I run around in my and a shoe, what story am I telling? Mm. And so I, I love that, uh, you know, your product actually speaks to that. It's not just any other running shoes. If you had to, if you went and did it in China, then, you know, you'd have to market as hard as Nike, <laughs> because you're competing solely in the same market segment. And Kelly, what are you looking
0: for from entrepreneurs who approach you in this idea stage? And can you immediately tell if an idea will be successful when someone comes
2: up to you? To be honest, no. <laughs> yeah. You'd need to be like a fortune teller because we've had examples where you think something is a brilliant idea, not yeah. not just you, but we see this in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. where they put in a lot of money and and the thing, you know, flops. And then we have other stories where you think this will never work anywhere and and it ends up being a wonderful business. Mm-hmm. But in terms of uh, what we look we look for is what what I just called innovation, you know, what what else are you doing different uh, compared to everyone in the market? It can be the way you deliver the product, it can be an entirely new thing, it can be you know an improvement of what's existing. And honestly, at that at idea stage, it's whether you care enough, you know, to stick with it for the long haul, mm-hmm. because I feel like idea is just the beginning. I mean, just um, we we've been having a conversation on social media on ride sharing. Uh, In Nairobi and as soon as I put out the idea you know everyone chimed in on why it wouldn't work in Nairobi there's insecurity there's this there's this and so there the if this was an entrepreneur trying to develop something and they are convinced that this could work you can see the kind of voices that would come at them and even for me as as a consultant and as I'm helping the business grow my work sometimes is to just see how what are the things that could make this not work? And we plan with that. So, if the person doesn't have that thing we call, you know, in quotes, sticking to itiveness, you know, the ability to just stick with the idea <laughs> yes. and be willing to objectively look at it and work around the hurdles, then it might be hard to convert it, no matter how good it is.
0: Sticking to itiveness. Yes. <laughs> okay, I like that. Um, I completely get it because um, we all have ideas. Everyone, especially those ideas where we think, Um, I could have created that. But the difference is someone stuck to it. Nava, can you speak to that at all? Um, You had this great idea. You met your co-founder, Weldon. But how did you stick with
1: it? Um, I have to say, like, The good thing about sticking with it is that the more you do it, the more it evolves, you know. So we started out as a shoe company and I think we're evolving into a brand company. And it's just basically what you think you have is not what you might end up having. But you are not going to discover that if you if you kind of abandon it too early. I think the key thing is to have the vision and to really (laughs) stick with it because there's going to be many naysayers, there's going to be many challenges.
0: I like that you said that because now that I'm starting Kali, I think it's a great idea. Um, But I'm doubtful of whether it can succeed. Is there a market for it? Yes, there's a market, but is the market? Do they really want the product that I'm putting out? And just because family and friends are saying great idea doesn't mean um, customers or investors will be interested in it. So Kelly, like what steps should entrepreneurs and aspiring business owners take to test out their ideas in those early stages? So
2: the first thing I think is to avoid being stuck in the ideas like stage. And I know, you know, all of us around the table are entrepreneurs and we've had ideas like since we were 14 or 13. And you have this idea and the next year you have another one and and, you know, you keep going. I think many um, entrepreneurs get stuck there because when you get an idea and you see, okay, these are the ways it wouldn't work, you know, you shelve that and continue, you know, working for a salary until you get another one. So what I tell entrepreneurs is, you know, do something. So if you come um, seeking advice with just an idea, I'm not able to help until you've actually done something about it. So I, I want to build this business, okay? I have done, I have my business plan, okay. Often it's just you know a piece of paper with the ideas. So I'm like, okay, so what's the next step? Mm-hmm. So don't don't seek answers before you've taken. And and there's there's always that. So you take your first step. Maybe you 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 do basic social media validation, that's the easiest, you know, form of market research these right. days. Mm-hmm. Because again, we you say your family and friends are biased. So they are either super critical, like if they know Paula is the girl with ideas, you know, they, they roll their eyes and they're like, no, not another, again. Another one. <laughs> here's, another, <laughs> here's another idea. Yes. And and then um, if it's our mothers, you know, they encourage you to do everything. Yes. You're the number one child always. Exactly. So, Validating the idea with with strangers. Okay. So find a way, a a low-cost way to do that. Mm -hmm. If it is a technology product, that's easy because, you know, uh, there's a whole a body of work around lean startup and and how to create your minimum viable product and put it, putting it out there and tech is more forgiving mm-hmm. of mistakes. Mm-hmm. If it's a brick and mortar uh, business then it gets harder because if I am selling you a bottle of water and you know it's not very well purified because I, I have to work out the purification bits before mm-hmm. then the market is unforgiving okay. but either way what we ask is what's the minimum thing you need to do to get your business idea out there Mm -hmm. and to get feedback, spoken or otherwise, Mm -hmm. from customers and potential customers. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we don't do is we don't ask customers, you know, would you like... Uh, A Kenyan shoe you know everyone would be like yeah (laughs) you know sounds good yes yes I'll get it but until you put that shoe out there or you find a way of testing it and I loved uh, the way Ender did it with a Kickstarter campaign. Can you speak a little about the Kickstarter
1: because some people might not know what your what the Kickstarter was. Okay so we went to Kickstarter after kind of listing our financing options they were very 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 minimal you have an idea nobody wants to fund it and you know in your gut that it'll work but we didn't have the money for it so we We looked at very different options of how we could fundraise the money for it. And Kickstarter was the best in the sense of you don't need uh, collateral. Like I don't have any assets to my name that I could take to the bank and say, "Okay, here it is. So we were just basically people with ideas, not much um, like uh, assets that could put up against borrow money. So that was out of the question. We were too early for venture capitalists um, in the sense of they want something that's more advanced. So at idea stage, I'd say you're pretty much you, yourself, your friends and your family. So I have to say, up to the point of prototyping, it was very much self-funded. And we figured out if we're going to scale, we need much more financing. And Kickstarter just offered like the best solution, kind of also researching how other companies had done it, other people who'd basically launched their brands um, through the same platform. And we decided to go for it. Our campaign basically had enough people to kind of really drive it and then other people kind of joined um, the crowd once we started.
2: It was an opportunity to get people who first are passionate about the segment that you are are getting into but also to just get their feedback because had you put it out there and there was no you know response then you'd be like hmm there's a runner community out there it seems they don't care about this shoe and no response is a response as well no response is a response you know yeah. people are saying something yeah so it's 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 good to read into that
0: now reply can you speak about sort of Again, what we're talking about here is market research, basically. Getting as much information about the product you want to produce from the audience that you'd like to produce it for. So can you speak a bit about how you went about your market research?
1: A lot of conversations I have with um, entrepreneurs or people who are thinking of doing something is someone will steal my idea. And I think that limits how we approach business. So the good thing about putting your idea out there goes hand in hand with research. So if you have an idea that is patentable or like should be protected by IP. When you do your research, then you will know that by the time I'm talking about this product, I better have secured the rights to it. That's very different from just any other business idea. And I think it's important to talk about our ideas because then we'll find the people who'll help us along the journey. We knew that we had this huge burden of by the time we're saying we're launching a Kenyan running shoe, there'll be a lot of um, like critiques about it. So we, we knew that we had to do like something stellar, you know, like we did interviews. We basically went, with, we had like this whole list of questions for the athletes and asking them about their running styles, what they run, what the the feedback that they gave. And that was like super helpful because when we started out, we said we wanted to make a Kenyan running shoe. And when we asked the athletes, what's the ideal running shoe? They were like, there's no ideal running shoe. There's like ideal running shoes. Like there's different types of runs and each needs a different type of shoe. And that was, again, a light bulb moment for us in the sense of, oh, wow, we can actually have product categories in the future. So we did a lot of research. We did interviews. We reached out to a lot of people on LinkedIn. LinkedIn was particularly helpful because we didn't know how to make shoes. So we just basically started looking at everyone who has ever made a shoe. What are they doing? Are they What phase of their business are they in? Are they likely to decide to help a startup uh, that's starting out something like that? So we basically did a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, and that helped us to know exactly what we were getting into by the time we were saying, okay, let's make the shoe. We knew at least theoretically and watching on YouTube how to make shoes. We knew the skills and expertise that we needed. And we knew at least the from the design element to what aspects of Kenyan history and culture that we wanted to put out there.
0: And I think this is important because sometimes we think research is just people we know or people we've paid. But what I'm hearing you say is you are cold calling, basically cold asking people. Hi, this is who I am and this is what I want to create. Can I speak with you? And did you were you surprised at the amount of people that were responsive? Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. Like I discovered people are like reservoirs of knowledge. You just need to ask them like people are not just going to come. I can't just come and sit with you and tell you about my life. But if you come and say, hi, I'm thinking about doing this based on your experience, well you think people actually are very, 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 generous with information and I think most of those people that we contacted have been like our supporters along the way once in a while we talk to them they mentor us so it's been also it was also a great way of getting word out so that people in the industry were kind of aware that there was this brand that was growing in Kenya. But it was just based on the fact that we contacted so many people that now they they know about us.
0: And did anything surprise you about the research you collected? You did a lot of different kinds of research, and I think that's also important to point out. But did anything surprise you from what you picked up?
1: What surprised me was that a lot of um, naysayers surprisingly were local, (laughs) local in the sense of Kenyans. I really thought we would get like a lot of support from home, but we went back to the market, at least for the Kenyan side. And we were asking guys, okay, so tell us what are the challenges with like the Ender brand? And we got that consistent feedback that you guys are too expensive. We are not like above the common man's reach. So I think it's also been a learning point for us that the research sometimes it's not what you want to hear, but then it also gives you an insight. And now we're like, okay, maybe there is a possibility to look at a low cost shoe that maybe caters to the local market, but it's also kind of the same quality. And that turned into an opportunity which we are trying to exploit and hopefully create a shoe that's basically um, very price friendly.
2: If I may add, and, and I think that's why it's important when you're thinking of a business to to design it for the globe. So when when people are designing businesses, I say, you know, can it be scaled? You know, is it something that would fit another market other than this market? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that, especially with American companies. I mean, Americans don't start companies for for America; they do it for the world. And and it, it so if if it's, it's it succeeds in America, but it also succeeds here, and it succeeds in West Africa and everywhere else. So. I love that your research went beyond, you know, the Kenyan thing, because had you just, you know, asked a couple of us, we'd have told you, you know, yeah, no, yeah. we buy secondhand shoes, we buy Nike and so on and so forth. But you are designing for the globe, which, which which, is important.
0: Well, Kelly, what are other questions or key information people should
2: be looking for when they do this research? I, I think, so one is it's, of course, sent customer sentiment. Two is to not underestimate the competition, because often when we are starting out, we love our IT, and we see how this thing will change the world. But then you're coming up against competitors that have invested millions, if not billions, in, in researching. They have huge research, huge marketing budgets. And so it's not enough to just, you know, put it out there and hope that people will see it and, and buy so it's to understand how your competitors uh, get into the market, how they target the market. And then with your small startup budget, seeing how then you will counter that. So the power of social networks, for example, you could say, yes, people have billboards, but I'll, you know, win people's hearts, you know, through through social
1: media. Yeah. And I, I think I can't overemphasize enough the power of social media. Like even when you think that your competitors have so much money, money is not creativity. And I keep kind of like that's the one thing I'm always like talking to my team like guys like we we don't ever think that someone has money and therefore they can beat you like it's about content and right now content is king you know so it depends on what content you're putting it out there and how people are engaging with it it can take you much further than someone who has millions in budget but doesn't necessarily know how to engage uh, and create content
2: and then also having an accurate view of how much it will take to get your product to market money wise so on this one I recommend just seeing someone else who will help you work out the figures if you don't have a finance background uh, because we say it costs double and takes twice you know the time I don't know what your experience Triple. <laughs> but yes Yeah. so having a right view of the timetable and the money to get to market
0: and now how did you know when you were ready to go to market So yes, the idea, yes, the research, yes, all these people you've talked to, uh, the numbers, the business plan. But when did you? When was the go moment for you to say, okay, we're ready to put this out there?
1: So we had two things, basically a timeline and the prototype. So we had a timeline on when we wanted to launch our Kickstarter. So we had to, by all means, work towards that timeline. So we knew that by June, July, we had to launch our Kickstarter. So by going backwards, by maybe April, we should have had the prototypes approved by everyone. So we had a timeline and that timeline, we tried to stick with it as much as possible. And secondly was the testing of the product. Like we, We all got to a point where The athletes were happy. The designers were happy. The manufacturers were happy. Everyone was like, "Okay, we can do this. And the whole team was ready to to go to the next level.
0: And Kelly, it's easy to now collect all your information and sit with it or be like, I don't have enough analysis, paralysis and
2: all that. So how much is enough research? So that's that's hard to tell because first, research doesn't stop. So even when you're in the market, you're constantly getting feedback. But what I say, you know, you should have enough to move. So if you have your finances in order, you have gotten some basic customer feedback telling you that, you know, you're on to something here. You've worked out the technical. If you're building something technical, you know, put something out. And, you know, don't don't be afraid to fail because, you know, that's the other thing. Until you've tried, you don't know. So go out there, put it out, you know get more feedback so that's secondary you know the secondary bit of the research where now you have a product and you're getting customer feedback and you're using it to either improve your product or you know then you can decide this this may not work and and i'm out of here Mm -hmm. but most ideas unfortunately die there they don't even get to to the market so we don't get to know if they'll work or not which is unfortunate
0: and you say they die because people are just
2: they just are not willing to take that next step yeah execution is is tough and that's where actually you hear a lot of people saying but what if someone steals my idea but having been in this segment for over 10 years i know most ideas die at idea stage so it doesn't even matter you kind of wish that someone had stolen it (laughs) and executed on it but you know actually doing the work is the hardest bit but it's you know it's it's what entrepreneurship is
0: and now when did you decide why June July did you feel like you had enough information to have picked that date or was it something more arbitrary
1: We we wanted to at least make sales by the end of the year so we also just basically calculated how much it would take for the shoes to be made to be shaped to be assembled for us to do prototyping first half of the year and then uh, production the second half
0: And what was it like once you went to market with your product? Was the reality different from your research?
1: I think like we went to the market and the market affirmed what we had researched. So that was like pretty amazing we basically had found that there was this great hunger by the world to know what ke- makes Kenyan runners stick.
0: And how did that affirmation, what did that look like when you say it affirmed?
1: The affirmation was the fact that people bought our product before it existed. They bought the idea of it. Like we had the prototypes and we could show that this is how the shoe looks like. And I think the prototype was very helpful to make people see the work and thought we had put into the process. And they basically had enough confidence to say if they've done this much, that we could probably like order the shoes before and
0: did you have to make any adjustments once the product was out um we changed the product
1: before it hit the market actually like that was like part of the prototyping process with the athletes and now it's hit the market we are getting much more feedback from people who are like not even on our kickstarter now we have like actual customers so we have actually adjusted the tongue for the shoe the tongue is like that place like where you tie your lace over. So it it's supposed to have a snug fit, but some people have like a high depth around that area of the feet. So it wasn't fitting too well. So we've adjusted the current model to make it have a wider tongue so that it covers your foot adequately. Um, we know that some people who have like one, big, one leg bigger than the other have a problem with a seam in the shoe and they're trying to fix that. So the good thing is that, as you said, the research never ends and it comes from feedback. People will give you feedback about your product and you will always kind of keep adding to it to make it better. But as Kelly said, the most important thing is to start.
0: And, you know, Kelly, here we have someone where they, the feedback affirmed the idea. But when should entrepreneurs reevaluate their company or strategy?
2: Um, what happens when the feedback is not what you wanted? So there, there are two kinds of feedback, actually. There's silence, and then there's when customers tell you something. When there's total silence, then, you know, there's need to really think, um, is there really a market for this? Or am I crazy or is it an idea that's before it's time? Because as we've seen, uh, many ideas are also about timing. And to be honest, luck, which, you know, we can't do anything about, but shouldn't stop us from, you know, trying things. The other one is um, when your customer feedback is not what you expected and the critical mass is large enough to tell you this is not working, then you have to tweak. Like uh, Navalayo has said, they've had to change their shoe. Some You have to keep tweaking your, your, your idea or your, your product mm-hmm. uh, for it to fit the market. And sometimes you may get conflicting uh, feedback where this market segment thinks it's wonderful, this other one doesn't like it. That's um, that's no reason to actually ignore those. It means their needs are different. And you have to then make a, re- a, a, a decision. Do I want to diversify and have two products for two market segments? Or do I only want to focus on one market segment? Other times you may have to, what we call pivoting, Mm -hmm. You know, where you you launched something for this purpose, but the market is telling you, look, we use it for this other purpose. So that's why it's important to constantly um, get the feedback. And how much time should you give your
0: company if something isn't working? Because sometimes it's just not working.
2: You need to know what is not working because there are many reasons why a business can fail. So uh, lack of capital, people say that's the most common but I always push back because you find if, if your business or if your, your your startup is attracting customers, it's very hard for you not to find capital. It may be difficult to raise it and that's why there are, you know, consultants who do this kind of thing. But it's very hard. So I usually say that's the worst reason to close a business that I didn't get capital. Hey, if you have customers walking in, you can find capital. Maybe it means talking means talking to a couple of other people. But if you have no customers And you have tried focus groups and you've tried all different ways to reach customers and they're still not working in. I feel like there you have to, you know, rethink and move on to other things. And
0: Navalayo, I know you talked about the fact that you've started running more, even though that wasn't necessarily the case when you first started. So you weren't in the running world. What made you care about this business idea and what made you stick with it? This long.
1: I have to say, uh, partly patriotic and partly a desire to see a better Kenya. Like, for example, if you buy a German car, there's that trust in the fact that it is a good machine, you know. So if you're thinking of an Italian design, people trust that the fact that it's from Italy that it's basically like very good quality and stuff like that. So it's the same thing. I thought, why not have a Kenyan running shoe? Because it's the same principle. Like we can have the same effect of it, a Kenyan running shoe and we can trust that the fact that it's from Kenya, it's a good thing.
0: Kelly, this is such a basic question, but I think it's so important. And you can hear it in how Nabilayo speaks about Enda. But why is it important that entrepreneurs actually care about the product or the or, or the company or the service
2: that they're putting out there. The most important is the fact that you know money doesn't come in as soon as you think it will. So if you're going into it for money, huh, it won't succeed. It takes it's a lot of work. There's a misconception, and especially now among young people, that entrepreneurship is better than employment, and and I've been seeing that gospel there, and only. A person who hasn't started a business will say that mm-hmm. because, the, the, I mean, the working hours are long, the pay is, is little. Sometimes you're the one putting the money in and, and the discouragement, the discouraging moments are aplenty. So for you to actually stick with that, you have to really care. Otherwise, you know, why would you do it?
0: That's the million dollar question. Why do you actually want to start your own company? We can't answer that for you. It's something you have to figure out on your own. But here are my takeaways from what we have discussed. Number one, an idea is just an idea until you do the work. You have to sit down, you have to put in the sweat and the tears in order to get it off the ground. And number two, research is continuous and feedback is key keep asking questions keep asking for feedback that's so important in order to navigate your business and lastly like they've said a ton of times you have to be passionate it's so hard starting your own business it's so hard being out here on your own and you just really have to care about what you're doing with your business thank you so much Nabila Ayosembo of Enda Running Shoes for coming on the show you can find out more about Enda and purchase your own shoes at www.endasportswear.com. And you can follow Kelly Murungi on Rookie Manager, her popular personal finance blog for tips and tricks. And you can find her at www.rookie-manager.com. I Have No Idea What I'm Doing is a Kali Media Production. I'm your executive producer and host, Paula Rogo. Our producer is Halima Gikandi. Our production assistant is Mame Frimpong. The music for this show was created by Ajaya Joshua, a.k.a. Jopi the Chef. And we recorded this episode at the Non-On Record Studio and Mojo Productions in Nairobi. You can find the I Have No Idea What I'm Doing podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. It will also be available on our Kali Media YouTube channel. You can find out more information about this episode at www.kali.media. If you like it, tell a friend. I'm your host,
1: Paula Rogo. Until next time.